You guys, I am beyond excited, beyond elated to share with you that my new series of songs, Atlas 3, officially begins right now. And today's episode is all about the very first Atlas 3 song, uh, which is titled Overture 3 slash Awake. And I am completely getting ahead of myself here. I forgot to tell you who I am and what this podcast is. So let's start there. My name is Ryan O'Neill, and I make music under the name Sleeping At Last. And uh, this is the Sleeping At Last podcast, where I have the absolute honor of getting to share with you all the details, the layers, the heart, and the meaning and intentionality behind the music that I make. So thank you for pressing play on this podcast, for listening to my music, and for being curious about how my songs are born. And today, thank you so much for celebrating the beginning of Atlas Three with me. So for anyone that may have no clue what I'm talking about when I keep saying the word Atlas, um, Atlas is this project that I've been working on for uh, for many years now. It's a long form series of songs that are based around various themes. It's a, it's a trilogy and, and this uh, Atlas 3 is of course the third chapter. And I kind of like to think of it as a, a long form concept album. So instead of 10 or 12 songs on a, on a traditional full length record, it's a, it's a concept expressed throughout 70 plus songs. The first chapter or installment of Atlas was of course called Atlas One, and uh, it contained 30 songs in total, which revolve around the overarching theme of origins, the beginning of all things. So the specific themes that I wrote songs about um, in Atlas One were darkness, which I kind of think of as like the unknown, the, the before. Then I wrote songs inspired by light, which is the beginning or, or creation of the known universe. And that led to our specific solar system, which I called space. And I wrote a song for each of the planets in our solar system, plus the sun, the moon, and Pluto, which of course I still consider to be part of our solar family. Then it was earth-centered. I called this collection of songs land, and I, I wrote a song for each of the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. And the final theme for Atlas One was oceans. And that's a song for each of the world's five oceans, Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, Southern, Arctic. Just a super quick side note. So I finished Atlas One in 2014. And so when I was writing those ocean songs, I of course researched and uh, it was solidified in my mind that there were five oceans on our earth, even though we all know that there's really just one ocean, but there were five distinct oceans and uh, therefore, I wrote five songs based on those oceans. But just earlier this year, National Geographic announced that the world does not have four oceans, but five distinct oceans, newly naming Southern as uh, the world's fifth ocean. So apparently, there have only been four official oceans since Nat Geo began making maps in uh, 1915. So... I actually have zero clue what research I was doing back in 2014 that led me to completely believe, like I, there was no second guessing about it, that there were five oceans. I'm just super thankful that whatever I was reading back at that time led me to believe that, uh, that there were five oceans because right now I'd be backtracking trying to write that fifth ocean song to add to uh, my Atlas One series. <laughs> so I like to think that, you know, National Geographic might have just come across my ocean songs and uh, just decided, what the heck, let's just, let's just toss a, a fifth ocean in there <laughs> since this random person wrote a song for it anyway. All that to say, I'm very glad that Southern exists in my, uh, in my five oceans <laughs> songs as part of Atlas One. 
All right, so back to explaining what the heck Atlas is and how the trilogy connects. So Atlas one, in a nutshell, is the origins of everything, ending on the oceans. And water, as we all know, leads to life. And because of this, at the very end of the last ocean song from Atlas One, uh, there's the sound of a sonogram, which is uh, my now six-year-old daughter, Lily. And uh, so Atlas Two is all about that. It's all about us. 25 songs about involuntary human development, the stuff that we showed up with. So in Atlas Two, I explore the themes of life, followed by the senses, uh, which is a song for each of the five senses, touch, taste, smell, hearing, and sight. Then emotions, four songs based on the four basic human emotions, joy, sorrow, anger, and fear. And then exploring the theme of intelligence, which uh, contain the song's body, heart, and mind, uh, based on the intelligence centers, and, and is a bridge to the final theme of Atlas II, that is Enneagram. Nine songs inspired by the, the beautifully unique nine Enneagram types of personality. And the theme of the Enneagram comes last in, uh, in Atlas II. And the reason for that is because some people believe that our personalities are hardwired into us and others believe that it is simply a product of our lives and our circumstances. I tend to believe the former, so I included the Enneagram in Atlas II, which is inspired by involuntary human development. And that, of course, leads us to right now, right in this moment, Atlas III. As I've mentioned, I, I believe in the, in the previous episode of this podcast, Atlas III will be based on voluntary human development. It's about the things that we choose to do with our lives. I like to think of the Atlas trilogy as the past, the present, and the future. And Atlas III represents the future. And because the future unfolds in endless mystery, uh, for Atlas III, I, I won't be sharing the exact themes that I'll be exploring just yet. They will sort of unfold as a surprise like the future does. But I have announced that as part of Atlas III, seven of those songs will be inspired by the seven Greek words for love. So the seven Greek words, but seven definitions of love. And so I'm truly excited to explore that with you guys on this podcast, but also to dive into it in my research and my writing. And uh, though there are many themes being explored in Atlas III, love will be a primary one that finds its way through each of the upcoming themes. And so I'm really, really, really excited. In a nutshell... Atlas Three will have at least 25 songs, and uh, seven of those songs will be uh, based on the Greek words for love, and the rest will remain a mystery. One of the downsides of having series of music versus like traditional, understandable albums is that it takes me a long time to explain it. So if you are already super familiar with my work, um, then I hope that you use that skip ahead button just then when I explained Atlas for like the fourth time. Uh, and if you are unfamiliar with what Atlas was, I hope that that provided some sort of clarity. Um, I, I Sometimes when I talk about Atlas or any of my series of music, I end up in the weeds pretty quick. I, I love <laughs> the details that go into this stuff. I love planning it out, mapping it out. So thanks for bearing with me as I explain what the Atlas trilogy is. It's a lot of fun to tell you about all the different ways that I am um, kind of putting ideas into this space. But really, I, honestly, if you have only heard one song of mine, the, the point is there's just new music coming out. That's, that's really what this boils down to. <laughs> Atlas is a bunch of new songs, and I cannot wait to share them with you. Speaking of... Let's go ahead and listen to the very first Atlas 3 song, which is called Overture 3 slash Awake. 
that this is recorded and I'm not actually sitting there listening to this new song with you, but showing someone something I made that's brand new that hasn't been heard outside of my ears and a, and a couple trusted friends. It's so scary. I'm so excited and terrified all at once. And uh, it's been a little while since I've had that feeling. So I'm feeling it now, even as I record this podcast, but I, I hope you like the song and um, I'm excited to tell you now everything that went into it. So it feels most natural to first explain this new song's relationship with the Atlas song that came before it. So the final song of Atlas 2 was called Nine, which belonged to the Enneagram theme. And I wrote Awake, this brand new song, as a direct response to Nine. Nine, which I recorded a very lengthy and intimate episode of this podcast about, is by far my most personal song ever. And that's because it was such a deep dive into my own Enneagram type. And after having spent such a long time researching and writing for and from the perspective of the other eight Enneagram types, it was a deepening experience for me to write nine. And it kind of broke me open in, in a lot of really unexpected ways. Uh, and the primary message of that song is to wake up. Type nines often operate from a place of limitation, of, of holding themselves back a little bit, keeping quiet and, and constantly turning their own life's volume down. So the idea of waking up resonated with me in a, in a huge way as I, as I wrote the Type 9 song. And so I've known from that moment, uh, the moment that I finished that song, that it would lead to the concept of waking up. And Awake is in part written as an autobiographical follow-up to Nine and, and my own personal adventures in, uh, in waking up. Uh, and spoiler, it's still a total work in progress and uh, will be for the rest of my life. But I'll dig into the personal meaning behind the song ahead, uh, but I wanted to note that right out of the gate that Awake is in answer to Nine. So it is the bridge between Atlas Two and Atlas Three. Another way that Awake and Nine are related to each other is that I added an intentional inhale at the very end of my Nine song. And then at the very beginning of this new song, Awake, there's an exhale in the form of the woodwind section. So that inhale from Nine exhales into Awake. And that's further bridging Atlas Two to Atlas Three. And I just really like the idea of giving some audible connection between the two songs as well, not just conceptual. Uh, but it also is a nod to involuntary development and voluntary development. Breath feels like both things to me. It's involuntary in that we do it naturally from the moment that we are born. And it's voluntary in the sense that we can hold it if we wish. 
So I like to think of Atlas II as the, the involuntary inhale of a breath. And then the time in between Atlas II and Atlas III, that's me holding my breath. And Atlas III is the voluntary exhale. So shortly after I finished Atlas II and, and the Enneagram song, which was 2019, I actually already knew what the very first line of Atlas III should be. And that's well before I had any melody or chords or any other part of the song or even the project. I knew that the first lyric should be, So what do I do now? I wrote it as a, a lyrical tie-in to the Nine song. And, and that song concludes on the lyrics, To know and love ourselves and others well is the most difficult and meaningful work we'll ever do. To know and love ourselves and others well is the most difficult and meaningful work we'll ever do. And the key word, if, I, if this were visual, I would underline the word do, because uh, that's a call to action for the Enneagram type nines, and it's the lead-in to my Atlas III project. So what do I do now? It's all about what we do with all that we're given. It's, it's voluntary human development. So I, I like the idea of starting the song with, with that connection, first and foremost, and then also with that vulnerability. It's kind of like, all right, here I am, now what? What am, what am I supposed to do? And the line has a bunch of meanings beyond that for me. It's, it's been a line that's it's so simple on, on its surface, but it has you know about 12 meanings to me personally. So what do I do now is a reference to reemerging from a, from a pandemic, the world waking back up and all of us trying to figure out what the heck we're supposed to do next. It's also a nod to writer's block. I have this, so what do I do now feeling at the start of every song that I write, uh, but especially at the start of a large project like this one, uh, so those words felt particularly appropriate in, in that regard as well. Um, but mostly it's, it's about the primary theme of Atlas Three, which is what do we do now with all that we're given? And the rest of the songs in Atlas Three are going to be written in answer to that initial question. Uh, and just like that opening line, there, there are a handful of different lenses through which to, to hear this song. Lyrically and, and musically, there's a, a theme of literally waking up, a, a sense of renewed energy, uh, there's the theme of the repetition of waking up day after day uh, and kind of having another chance to do better. But there's also the sense of the world waking back up after the pandemic and uh, all of us attempting to put the pieces back together after an incredibly difficult shared experience. And it was also written with the idea of, of a day as an analogy for an entire life, which is probably most evident in the final verses. And I'll, of course, dive into all of those specifics later on. But the song can also be heard from the lens of waking up emotionally and, and spiritually. And then, of course, I wrote this song as an overview of, of the themes that are, that are to come. And because this time those themes are going to remain a secret, I can't exactly point to which lyrics refer to the specific theme names, but they are there, kind of hidden in plain sight. So all of the themes that I will be writing songs around in Atlas Three are within this song. One thing I wanted to mention kind of at the starting line of Atlas Three, is I've been super interested in and curious about something called spiral dynamics. And I, I'm actually hesitant to mention it because unlike the Enneagram or space or the senses or, or themes like that, that I have written songs based in, this is more of a, of a 
inspiration for me in helping me order the themes that I'm going to be writing about for Atlas Three. So it's helping me put them into uh, just the correct developmental order. And so if you are unfamiliar with what Spiral Dynamics is, a, a very, very brief and entirely not comprehensive explanation uh, with the help of Wikipedia, Spiral Dynamics is a model of evolutionary development of individuals, organizations, and societies. It was initially developed by Don Edward Beck and Christopher Cohen based on the emergent cyclical theory of Claire W. Graves. I know, I know. Uh, none of that actually tells you anything about what Spiral Dynamics is, uh, but in my very, very early learning and, and research about Spiral Dynamics, what I like about it and what I think is fascinating is it's sort of an uncovering of patterns of human development over the course of recorded history. And these patterns that show up over and over again uh, apply to large groups of people and their evolving values and on individuals too, as we develop and grow up from birth onwards. So as I said, I'm finding the model of spiral dynamics to be super fascinating, like I, I can't get enough of it. And it's just been really helpful in putting my ideas for Atlas Three in order, which as you know, are songs based on voluntary human development. And so spiral dynamics is kind of providing a, a framework in which to lay out my various themes, including my, my seven songs based on the seven definitions of love. And it's helping me order them in a way that makes progressive evolutionary sense. Uh, to be super clear again, I'm not writing Spiral Dynamics songs, um, but my purpose for mentioning Spiral Dynamics at all at, at this point is that there are and will be subtle influences on the upcoming songs, uh, the order of themes, etc., cetera, uh, which, which of course I will explain more in detail on later episodes of the podcast. Uh, but all this to say, Spiral Dynamics is kind of a map of voluntary human development. And I'm thinking of it as sort of a, the underwiring or, or the underpinning to the songs and themes that I will be exploring for, for Atlas Three. Oh my gosh, I feel like uh, I, I mentioned the word spiral dynamics, didn't even explain really what it is, and already it sidetracked for like eight minutes. <laughs> so thanks for bearing with me. But if you do have any curiosity about what Spiral Dynamics is, uh, where I started was a book called Spiral Dynamics Integral by Don Beck. As I said, we'll go through more details in any way that I'm nodding to Spiral Dynamics or have any intentionality in, in the songwriting that lines up with Spiral Dynamics. I will point it out and I'll, I'll try to explain to the best of my abilities when we get there. But anyway, let's, let's get back to the song. This first song, Awake, includes nods to Spiral Dynamics in the lyrics, which I will go over, but it actually also nods to Spiral Dynamics in the artwork, which if you haven't already seen, it is so gorgeous, painted by the one and only Alicia Edigento, the artist who is responsible for each of the 25 pieces of art for Atlas II. She is unmistakably gifted, and I am so honored to get to call her a friend and, and to continue our collaboration together on Atlas Three. Um, she'll be painting a piece of art for each of the Atlas Three songs, and I am so excited. It's arguably my favorite part of writing these songs in the first place. So for this song, Overture 3 slash Awake, uh, it's full-on vibrant colors, uh, and it's so exciting to see Alicia work with full color. The idea for this song to include full color was inspired by the colors of Spiral Dynamics, as well as Integral Theory, and as a nod to the ordering of the themes to come. As I mentioned, it's an overview. 
Uh, it's also inspired by the title Awake, which just felt super fitting for the vibrancy of these bright colors. Um, the landscape includes both modern and ancient structures, uh, which is a, kind of a nod to the voluntary human development theme of Atlas Three, and uh, just our history of growth. And, and of course, the beautiful sunrise refers to the waking up this song speaks of. And I am just totally in love with this art and its mystery and, and feels so honored for it to represent this first Atlas Three song. So thank you, Alicia. This song is the, the first song of mine written from the ground up in my brand new studio. And I adore this space. I'm recording the podcast here right now. And this is the first time I've ever had a place solely for the purpose of making music. Pretty much all throughout my music making years, I've used a, a spare room in, in one way or another. But this space exists solely for the purpose of making things. And that makes me truly happy. The plan is, of course, to write and record all of Atlas III in this in this new space. And I just get really excited thinking about that. I, I love the idea of sort of every new environment that you write and make music in, that there are songs kind of waiting around, hidden underneath the floorboards and in the walls, kind of waiting to be written. So I'm just really, really excited to meet these songs. Uh, this is the first one. This is the first one that crawled out of the woodwork. I bought a new grand piano for the studio that I am absolutely in love with. It's a, a Yamaha G2, and this is actually the first song I've ever recorded and written with it. Um, and I wanted the piano to feel lively, so I placed two mics right above my head as I played. So there's lots of room noise. For any engineer pals out there, I understand this is definitely not the best way to record a piano but I wanted the mics to hear it from the position of my ears. And uh, I also like the idea of having it kind of sound a little rough around the edges, a little roomy. Uh, generally, I love pianos to be super dark and kind of mellowed out. And often I will lay felt out on the strings. And um, this one, I kind of wanted to go the opposite direction. I wanted it to be bright and I wanted it to be um, lively. So early on in the song, uh, there's there's a, a moment where just the piano is playing. And there's this live kind of squeakiness to it. I don't know if it's my piano bench. And um, over the course of listening to it for, for months, it kind of just started sounding like birds. And so uh, I recorded one morning the, the the kind of the morning bird songs at my home and and decided to, to place it alongside to join in my, uh, my, my piano's bird song. <laughs> one of, of many little Easter eggs that I will be noting throughout the song. Uh, so there's a little little bit of morning birds along with the, the, the squeaky piano birds. An interesting mountain that I had been trying to climb at, at the start of this Atlas Three project is, is writer's block. And by interesting, I mean incredibly frustrating and, and totally obnoxious. Um, but back in 2010, I, I, I began a project called Yearbook, which was a series of songs, 36 new songs over the course of a year. So it was a lot of new music. And it actually completely changed my approach to making music for a million reasons. And, and among them was this discipline of writing frequently enough. And by releasing music so quickly, it was the single biggest pushback against writer's block I've ever found. It was, it, it was my weapon. And in continuing to write as often as I have over the past decade plus, I have found that there's not a lot of time to second guess or block myself creatively in any significant way because I'm trying to write as often as I do. 
it's like exercise or really anything healthy. The more of a practice you make of it, the more naturally it occurs. And um, way back when, when I was releasing music in a more traditional at the time schedule uh, of a new album every few years and touring in between, I I noticed that when I came back to the studio to write for the next record, I was entirely terrified of the creative process. And it felt like starting at ground zero again. And my mind was kind of making all these lies um, and and concerns that led to my writer's block back then every single time. But then your book taught me that writing as often as possible would actually help me feel more comfortable in my musical skin. So as I said, that's how I've been approaching music ever since. And that was 10 years ago. But at the end of Atlas 2 and finishing up the Enneagram songs, I, I took some intentional time off. And uh, it was meant to be this uh, this kind of brief interruption into that schedule of making music all the time. And um, it was really meaningful time. And I have absolutely no regrets for that. However, that led directly into the pandemic, which for whatever reason, rather than giving me nothing but time to work on Atlas 3, I actually found it really difficult to, to dig in. Of course, I, I did make a lot of music since Atlas 2 as part of my astronomy series of songs, or my, my song Breathe Deep was released, and a handful of cover songs, etc. So it wasn't like I was not being creative, uh, but I was not writing in the same rhythm or or um, trajectory that I was writing in, in the middle of each of the Atlas 1 or Atlas 2 or yearbook projects. So I was by no means entirely off of making music for any long stretch of time, but what I returned to find was that my mind created a huge monster. And, and I talked a little bit about the, this monster a couple episodes ago where I was mentioning that the podcast was kind of becoming one of these one of these monsters that was scaring me away from actually sitting down and recording episodes. So in all honesty, I had a, a very difficult time writing this first song. In my mind, I, I cooked up the most impossible hurdles to jump over the months. I, I accidentally built up so many pressures on this song and, and the start of this final chapter of Atlas that it turned into this this massive monster that I was absolutely terrified of. And so writing the song, which I, I deeply love, felt like something I was not able to do for, for quite a while. I started to feel like maybe I don't even know how to write songs anymore or, or at least decent songs. And, and it's not based on anything more than my mind inventing too many doubts and discouragements. And I let too much time go by where all of those doubts and darkness had time to simmer and, and take up space in my head. And so I'd show up at my new studio space, this this kind of dream space for me, and told myself that I, I didn't know how to do what I was supposed to do. And, and before even a single note was written, and just like misery, doubt loves company. So before I knew it, self-doubt was kind of taking over every other aspect of my brain. And the entire idea of making music in any capacity kind of felt uncertain and and scary. And none of this is new for me. It's exactly how I felt before yearbook and writing and putting music together out there. As often as I have since, there's there's always a feeling of, of nerves. Um, but those practices that I mentioned by writing as often as I did, prevented my doubts from turning into monsters that were too big to fight. And keywords being, of course, too big, because I certainly have gone through heaps of blockage over the decades too, but in much smaller doses. And so the creative rhythm I've had has been so helpful in mitigating writer's block, and I let that go. Um, and the weird thing about writer's block is that it's not even that I can't write, it's that I'm taking all of the energy and craft and and 
somehow I'm putting it into writing a story of doubt in my head rather than songs, which is just really dumb and inefficient. So I, I guess I have been writing for a while. Um, it just wasn't Atlas Three. It was just this really terrible, dramatic, self-doubt song in my head. And I, I deeply care about this project. I, I once had a conversation with a friend and I was explaining that I get, I get pretty nervous to play live shows or to record anything. And that's just something that I've always tried to overcome. And, you know, it's never been any major issue for me, but it, I, I have a lot of nerves around even when the, the record red light goes on, um, something changes in my, in my, in my mind and um, I, get, I get scared no matter how many times I've done it. And I was telling my friend this and their response was all of the stress and anxiety that I felt just means and just proves that I care. And that always stuck with me. I, I, I like that because it's, it's, it's true. So the trick then is just keeping it balanced because I don't, I don't think it's healthy to live with anxiety and self-doubt in that way either. Um, and just balance it out so it doesn't become paralyzing, which I think those disciplines that I mentioned earlier by continuing to write as often as I had, that helped. So it, it offset that anxiety. So in these podcasts, in my, in my newsletters and on social media, I have this super privileged gift of getting to share new music with you guys and, and to talk about how it all came together. And I don't really take a moment to talk about these speed bumps on the way, um, but something about making this song, starting this project and, and getting this podcast up and running again, it feels, it feels really good to share with you that I'm a delicate porcelain person. <laughs> that's, that's not totally true. I mean, I mean, it feels really good to be more vulnerable. It's, it's what I learned in writing that Enneagram 9 song. It's the lesson that I will be trying to learn throughout my whole life um, to be more open, to be more vulnerable. And, and then even more still, uh, the self-doubt of those monsters get smaller when we can share our, our vulnerabilities with others. And so I wrote a lot of this feeling into this song. So lines like, I'm ready to set it into motion, to pick up right where I left off, to make up for all the time I've lost. That's, that's a very direct nod to picking up where I left off with Atlas. It's a direct nod to being ready to write again. And then the next line, okay, maybe not. Daybreak, I'll make amends for yesterday's 24 failed attempts. And now I'm afraid I will lose my way before another day ends. That's, that's a direct lyric about the monsters that I've created. And it's a nod to the many days of my failed attempts at writing the song and ultimately being afraid that I don't know what I'm doing as a songwriter at all. And I'm worried that I'm going to lose my way. And, and those first few lyrics are also another tie-in to my Type 9 song. In, in 9, there's a lyric that says, how do I forgive myself for losing so much time? Entirely questioning myself, which I, I've done for quite a while. Um, how could I ever get there to forgiveness? But in Awake, it's a similar sentiment, but now it's from a little bit more of a positive perspective um, of being ready to finally wake up. So there's a, a stubbornness to these layers. Okay, maybe not, but daybreak, I'll make amends. Like there's like a, there's this optimism. If you've listened to my podcast before, you already know that I basically work through and process every feeling and thought that I have through my music, for better or worse. So here's me working out my writer's block in this in this first song, and it helped. I finished this song, and I'm super proud of it. I'm I'm nervous about it, of course, even for you to have just heard it, and for me to talk about it, but because I really care a lot about it. Um, but when I hear it, I remember the months of digging and digging and digging in order to unearth this song, and I'm really proud. 
I really love like lyrical bookends. And and what I mean by that is when the first lyric and kind of the end lyric have some sort of commonality. And so for this song, there is a, a lyrical bookend. Um, there's the word sunrise at the very top of the song. Sunrise. And then toward the ending in, in the same melody structure, there's the word sunset. Sunset, it dawns on me. And of course this felt fitting for a song called Awake. And in the, in the same vein, I also make reference throughout the song of, uh, of the times of day. So there's sunrise, there's today, there's the word tomorrow, yesterday, midday, sunset, etc. Uh, I, I try to do all of that without forcing it. Um, but if you, if you listen, you can hear those multiple points of the day. But I just wanted there to be a, a record of, of time passing as the song moves along. Musically, I, I wanted this song to sort of sound like sunshine. I, I think it's the most upbeat and joyful song I've ever worked on. I could be totally wrong on that. I usually don't have a great perspective on that sort of thing, but that's how it feels to me. The, the tempo is up and there's, there's as much brightness as I could squeeze into the song. And I just love the idea of this song sort of being in the shape of a person's waking life. Uh, it's a representation of a day, as I mentioned. It starts instrumentally, the melody lifting and lifting, which is sort of like waking up and getting ready for the day, stretching out wordless before any sort of conversations or interactions might happen and and then with the lyrics the story is is fully awake and as the song winds down the tempo drops significantly which brings the story kind of nearer and nearer to sleep and at the end of the day uh it, it was a ton of fun to try to fit an average day of being awake 16-ish hours into three minutes it was a kind of a fun lyrical challenge also in the spirit of this song representing a full day of being awake, I thought it'd be super fun to include sounds from my normal days in the backdrop of the songs. So I'm gonna go ahead and detail each of those little Easter egg sounds that are hidden throughout Awake. The first sound, as I mentioned, uh, is, is an exhale. So you hear it right underneath when the woodwinds start playing, but it is my exhale, which also connects to the ending of Atlas II, as I mentioned earlier, um, but also is the, I like to think of it as the first thing that I do when I wake up. The next sound is my electric toothbrush, which uh, I'd like to say that I brush my teeth every single morning. There's, there's an off day or two, um, but I pitched the sound of this up to the, uh, the actual key of the song. I have no idea why, but listening to that back right now kind of grossed me out. So <laughs> I apologize for also potentially grossing you out. Each morning before I head over to the studio, I get to spend uh, an hour or two with my incredible little daughters, Iris and Lily. And usually in one way or another, they're cracking up and I love that sound. It's probably my favorite sound in the universe. And so you will hear my kids laughing their heads off at the start of this song. <laughs> they are the absolute best. Also, right after that little round of laughter, I wanted to record them. Uh, sometimes they'll come over to the studio. And so this is them in the backyard doing the same thing. 
their their giggles sound like optimism to me, which is which is kind of the heart of the song. Also, as I mentioned, all throughout my Atlas project, I, I've tucked away sounds of my kids from their ultrasounds, births, their their singing, and, and various other moments of of their development throughout their lives so far. Um, all of which are are hidden within these Atlas songs, and it's kind of a it's kind of another way that I get to hear my kids grow up. And so uh, it's been really, really special to me to have record of, of each of these little, little moments. The next little Easter egg sound is the birds that I mentioned earlier. And I've actually got a couple different recordings of the, the morning sounds and birds in my, in my front yard. So after I've played with the kids in the morning, I make my way to coffee. And uh, this is the sound of outside before I get into my car. I am most certainly a creature of habit, so every day I make my way to find coffee, and uh, this is the chatter in, in the coffee shop I most frequent. Later in the song, there's a lyric uh, that says the, the strength of the sea is tamed by the shore. And so right in the moment of those lyrics, uh, you'll hear uh, kind of the, the crashing wave of, of the ocean. And so this is a recording uh, of the Pacific Ocean from a beach in Maui. So this last sound, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It is by Marie Kondo, and I read it a few years ago and just so loved its message and its simplicity, and it's just a really, really beautiful book. And so a, a while ago, I, I went to uh, the website konmari.com. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but K-O-N-M-A-R-I.com. And they sell these really beautiful organization and like home goods. And so there's this tuning fork that is um, a, a C note with this quartz crystal. So I have it in my studio. And basically the idea is that um, the author, Marie, uses a tuning fork in her everyday life to kind of help her reset. And so striking the fork against uh, the crystal creates this like pure tone. And so I, I just thought it would be really special to have that little tine sound in this song. If it kind of embodies the idea of resetting, um, Atlas 3 is starting and it's sort of a, a creative reset for me too. So uh, it made sense that it was in the song. I'd love to tell you about the, the guest musicians that I had the absolute honor of recording on this song. Uh, first is a very longtime collaborator and, and truly one of my favorite people on the planet, Sharon Gerber. Uh, she played cello and just did such a gorgeous job. And her daughter, Anya Gerber, who I've also had the privilege of collaborating with frequently, um, played violins. And the, so all of the strings you hear are played by these two incredibly gifted musicians. And uh, I just, I, I can never get enough of, uh, of their gorgeous, gorgeous playing. After the strings were all settled into the song, I invited three incredible musicians, Andrew Trim, who played electric guitar, Quinn Kirshner, who played drums, and Kurt Schweitz, who played upright bass.
Each of them in their own right are absolutely incredible musicians. This is actually my second time working with all three of them. Uh, they were the incredible jazz trio that you hear in my song Six. And uh, so it was so fun to get to work together again. They played so beautifully and I'm so grateful. Here's all three of them playing together. Oh my gosh, I love listening to them play. And lastly, and certainly not leastly, um, I had the incredible guest Paul von Mertens play flutes and clarinet. And uh, this is the the third or fourth time I've gotten to work with Paul. He is one of the most gifted musicians I know. Uh, he recorded um, a lot of the woodwinds that you hear on my song Silhouettes, as well as my song Six. And it's just a, a true honor getting to work with Paul. Um, Paul's actually the band leader for Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, and uh, I am and I'm just so delighted that he would be kind enough to take time out of his extremely busy schedule to to keep making music with me. And so Paul and I met actually several years ago um, through my song Clockwork. I had the legendary Van Dyke Parks do an arrangement for my song Clockwork, and uh, Paul was the uh, the recommended woodwind player. And so I'm I'm super excited that we got to meet and are continuing to make stuff together. Here's Paul playing flutes and clarinets in a wake. His performances are so beautiful, and I, I just adore what it adds to this song. And I'm too embarrassed to show you what it uh, what it originated as. I, I wrote the parts on uh, on just like a MIDI kind of terrible and and cheap old keyboard sounding flute and clarinet, and <laughs> and the the life and soul that he brings to it in his performance is just uh, it's just mesmerizing. So to each of my guests, Sharon, Anya, Andrew, Quinn. Kurt and Paul, thank you so, so much. So I'd love to switch gears and talk a little further about the lyrics. One thing that I had a lot of fun doing when I was writing this song, um, you know, aside from writer's block and all of the unfun parts of writing this song, um, was to uh, was to try to make it that whenever I wrote something, I wanted it to fit the melody in terms of like the melody reflected the actual thing that I was singing about, if that makes sense. So I'll give you a ton of examples um, of that right now. And uh, uh, But basically, I wanted the melody to be influenced by the words whenever possible. So the first example of this would be in the lyrics, set it into motion. You'll notice that the melody has kind of a lot of movement, and so therefore reflecting the words set it into motion. I'll set it into motion. And immediately following that is the words pick up right where I left off. And so I wanted pick up to sound snappier. Pick up right where I left off. And shortly after that, I say the words, okay, maybe not, daybreak, I'll make amends. And uh, the okay, maybe not is sort of like a, a I kind of say it under my breath a little bit. So it's dipped down in the melody. And I like that idea because it sort of, to me, sounded like conversational where you'd be like, all right, I guess not. And the daybreak, I'll make amends, is of course a play on words, the day breaking, and then putting it back together again. But the song also restarts the verse at that point. So musically, I I'm trying again, uh, which echoes those lyrics. Okay, maybe not. Daybreak, I'll make amends. And then when I sing, today I'll survive, tomorrow I'll make sense of my life. It might be obvious, but I wanted the music, every instrument, to fall apart on those lyrics. So everything kind of um, sounds like it's falling down some stairs and then being put back together again. <laughs> <laughs> 
song that repeats is saying a matter of time and I, I like the idea of repeating only that one as time continues to repeat the next example of this kind of lyric melody reflection is in the the following verses where I sing I've grown a little restless that lands where the melody kind of speeds up I've grown a little restless and right after that I sing the word the strength of the sea is tamed by the shore and so that entire melody is is kind of full volume full range for me for the strength of the sea is tamed by the shore the next example is in the bridge where I sing please uncover my eyes as the future unfolds I love the idea of the future unfolding as we talked about at the beginning of this episode all of Atlas 3 is is really emphasizing the future in its mysteries unfolding and so for this musically I wanted it to change keys and so I placed that lyric right as the song is sort of going in a different direction that might be a little bit more surprising than the parts that come before it toward the end of the song uh, where everything kind of winds down like the evening does I, I sing the words sunset it dawns on me obviously that's a play on words but also the melody descends like the sun sunset, it on me. and lastly the the lyric no blade of grass is out of place uh, I wanted it to sort of sound succinct and in unison with the piano, so I'm trying to sing along with the piano as as uh, as tightly as I can. Uh, it also is a familiar melody from throughout the song, and so I like the idea of no blade of grass being out of place and the melody being familiar. And so that's sort of how it made sense to me to interpret those words into the melody. No blade of grass is out of place. So I mentioned earlier that I, I nod to spiral dynamics in the lyrics of the song, which also is a nod to the kind of the underpinning of the whole Atlas Three project. And one of the ways I did this was if you learn about each of the, the levels or stages or, or V memes of spiral dynamics, uh, they, they go back and forth from a self I me perspective and to a, a collective we us perspective. And so the lyrics continually shift perspective in that way. Uh, and that's a little bit of a subtle nod to human development, but also specifically to, uh, to what I've been learning about spiral dynamics. I thought that was kind of a fun way to write the song from both perspectives. So the first verses have the, the I, me self perspective, and then it shifts to uh, the middle uh, chorusy type of part where it's just a matter of time. Our stories will keep us alive. And then it goes back to the, the me perspective, which is I've grown a little restless. I set sail searching for more etc and then it goes back to the we again mostly all of this just is in service of me telling this story but i like the idea of being able to shift back and forth from perspectives as a nod to spiral dynamics and i think i mentioned earlier but each of the themes that i'm going to be writing uh, for atlas 3 uh, the words, the theme names are actually hidden in the lyrics of this song. I'm not going to point them out, but they are there. And three of the later themes are actually there in the form of Morse code. So not in lyrics, but they are in Morse code hidden away in the song. But I'm actually going to leave that right here.
if you can translate Morse code, then you have figured out those last three themes. Um, there will be essentially eight to nine themes throughout Atlas three, but those particular three themes are, are kind of down the road. So you never know. I might, I might recalibrate adjust a little bit, but that's what they are for the moment. And if you've uh, figured that out, congratulations. And as I said, that Morse code is hidden throughout the song as, and so are the, the actual theme names for the first five themes. Those words are hidden amongst the lyrics. Really, in a nutshell, this song is a prayer of sorts. Uh, of course, it's an overview of the Atlas Project. It's also all the different perspectives that we've talked about. All of those things were considered, and and I wrote it with, with the hope that it could be um, interpreted in, in many different ways. But really, this is a prayer. This is, this is taking everything that I've learned since writing my nine song and trying to synthesize it and process it into my life in these last couple of years. And it's, it's wrestling with faith. It's wrestling with time and getting older. And all of those things are sort of poured into this very simple, small song. And um, it's a vulnerable song for me. So as part of that, with kicking off Atlas Three and, and sharing a new song after a little while, like all of that stuff adds up to being a really scary and exciting moment to get to share with you guys. So I, I really appreciate it. I hope that you will make these lyrics your own and I hope you'll make this song your own and I hope that it will earn a place in, uh, in, your, in your life um, in whatever interpretation that you bring to it. There are a lot of uh, real specific meanings behind each of the lines, um, but I, I think I'll leave it there. And the last thing I did want to point out is the very last couple lines. Now take a deep breath. Let's get some rest. That is a clue into the next song that I will be writing. Something that I would absolutely love to do as often as I can is once I finish each of these Atlas three songs, I immediately record an acoustic slash simplified version of the song. So for this song, I, I did exactly that. I, I traveled downtown into the city to record just a piano vocal version of the song at Electrical Audio Studios. And um, I had a lot of fun doing it. And I, there's just something, something really nice about the practice of once you finish the layered version and you've spent so much time with all these different tracks and ideas, uh, hearing it in its, in its pure, you know, simplified form is, um, I don't know, something about it is cathartic. So I, I love the idea of, of doing that as often as I can when these new songs are completed. Uh, so uh, at the end of this episode, I would love to share that version with you. It will be out on all of the places that music is uh, in, in the very, very near future as well. So though I, I could keep talking about this song for hours, I poured a lot of my energy and time and, and soul into this song. And uh, I just want to say, it, it seriously, it is such a, a, a gift to me to be able to share all the details that go into this stuff. So if you've made it this far into the episode, I, I, I truly, I, I mean this from my heart. Thank you so, so much for being curious about how these songs come together. That is such a, such a special thing. And it just, uh, it makes, it makes recording these episodes um, just mean a lot to me. So I, I really appreciate you being curious. And all that to say, I, I am I'm so excited that Atlas 3 is now underway officially. It's not just in the planning stages or in the writing stages. It is happening and I'm already I'm already working on uh, several songs uh, into the future here. And I cannot wait to share those with you as well. So the idea here is that I will make episodes of this podcast with each song that comes out and um, we'll be able to detail everything that goes into it, just like I just did today. And so I'm going to go ahead and end this episode on the acoustic version that I just mentioned. 
And right after that, if you want to let the podcast keep playing out, uh, you'll hear the full version of the song once more now that you've heard all that went into it. Oh, and and a link in the show notes to not only the song and everywhere that it is available, but also to the Atlas 3 subscriptions, which are now underway, and they will grant you early access to each of these songs as they are finished and uh, early access to this podcast as well. So if you're interested in any of that, it is in the show notes or just go to sleepingatlast.com. Guys, thank you, truly. I'm a broken record and I'm okay with that because I am so full of gratitude that you would spend time with me and my song. Um, it just it just means a lot. I hope your rest of your day is wonderful wherever you are and I so look forward to getting to talk to you again really soon. Here's Awake Acoustic. So what do I do now? Sunrise, I'll set it into motion Pick up right where I left off Make up for all the time I've lost Okay, maybe not Daybreak, I'll make amends For yesterday's 24 failed attempts Now I'm afraid I'll lose my way before another day ends Today I'll survive, tomorrow makes sense of my life Sunset dawn 
Let's get some rest.